Al Jazeera podcast. If you live near the border between Israel and Lebanon, you're probably familiar with these sounds. Well, there's been a distinct upswing in violence uh, on the Israeli-Lebanon border to the north over the last couple of days, leaving tension remarkably high. We've seen the barrages. The Israelis are hitting houses. They're uh, hitting the, 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 the roads with, with their bombardments, whether artillery or drones. This has been ongoing since the Israel-Hamas war began. Fighters from the Lebanese group Hezbollah and the Israeli military have traded blows daily with South Lebanon and North Israel becoming the epicenter of this violence. The Israeli army and Hezbollah are intensifying attacks across the border with Lebanon. Children were burnt in the car. No one could save them. I carried their mother, but she kept screaming and saying, my children, where is the terrorist? You are the terrorist, you Israelis. As fighting intensifies, and Israeli jets carry out wide-scale airstrikes deeper into Lebanon, are we getting closer to an all-out war between Israel and Hezbollah? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I'm Ali Hashim, and I'm Al Jazeera's correspondent. I'm covering from Naqura on the Lebanese-Israeli border. Ali tells us most of the Lebanese villages near the border with Israel are now empty. People have moved to other parts of Lebanon, away from the border. Most of the people on the borderline decided to go to safer areas, maybe to go to family houses or to to schools that government and some NGOs provided for people to, at least for this time. Now also uh, school children in the border towns and villages are joining now schools in some safer areas. I mean, it's, it's like a four or five kilometers depth on the Lebanese border that's really dangerous to be in. So the rest is, is okay. I mean, towns that are like 10 kilometers, 15, 20 kilometers are safe and life is normal. For example, the city of Tyre, which is like 20 kilometers from the border, restaurants are open, shops, streets are full of people. So it doesn't look like a, it's a war. People live in different ways and lives, despite the fact that they're in the same country, same region, same even district. Before this round of conflict between Hezbollah and Israel, Ali says there was a real sense of safety in South Lebanon. People felt nothing would happen with the balance of power on both sides of the border. Well, for the past 17 years, mainly after the 2006 war, I can say that South Lebanon, I mean, there were no incidents, no really major incidents. Life was normal. People started building really very close to the border, even just on the wall. Uh, people were, you know, because in South Lebanon, many people are farmers, so they used to farm close to the border. There were there were no real problems there. And life was becoming, you know, uh, different from what it was before. The last intense fight between both parties was in 2006. On the 12th of July, 2006, a violent conflict erupted between Israel and neighboring Lebanon. 
It began when a military unit of Hezbollah group based in Lebanon crossed the border and ambushed a group of Israeli soldiers. And it was really a vast Israeli war. I was a, I was a reporter. I covered this war. There were several massacres committed by the Israelis. And that was the, the, the top. That was kind of the utmost of, of the whole confrontations. After the 2006 war, many Lebanese living abroad moved back home to South Lebanon to start a new life. This is also an area with a lot of people who traveled and, and are expatriates or immigrants in Africa or in America or in South America or in the Gulf. So most of them will come back and build their houses, their villas. Some of them, as I said, very close to the border. And that's because they felt that nothing's going to happen, especially with the balance of power on both sides of the border, the deterrence between Hezbollah and the Israelis. Whereas no one would want to go into a war. And, and actually, this deterrence is still the moment existing, as we can see. Whereas the two sides are uh, going for a tit for tat. They're hitting each other, but still making sure not to, to expand this war. Because the moment this war is going to be expanded, no one knows what's going to happen. And that's why, till the moment, we're seeing this war or this confrontation limited to this borderline. Israel would sometimes hit a target that's beyond the border, maybe four, five, 15 kilometers. Hezbollah would do the same on the other side. But still, things are kind of contained within what's known to be the rules of engagement. And that fragile sense of safety is making way for a new reality. After we spoke to Ali, the Israeli military targeted the town of Ben Jubail for the first time since the 2006 war. An Israeli airstrike has killed at least three people in Ben Jubail in southern Lebanon. The strike killed a Hezbollah fighter, the armed group said, as well as his brother and sister-in-law. The brother who was killed, Ibrahim Bezi, had returned to Lebanon to reunite with his wife, hoping to travel back with her to Australia. There have been several uh, Lebanese civilians who've been killed during this war. I mean, we know that we have at least three journalists and one producer or fixer who was with the television team there who was also killed. Journalists targeted yet again by Israeli fire in southern Lebanon. Farah Omar was 25 years old, and Rabia Ma'ameri, a father of two, were killed. A local journalist who was with them was also killed. Also, there are three children who were killed with their grandmother and um, some elderly who were killed towards uh, Shiba farms. For a while, Ali would describe the situation in southern Lebanon as tit for tat. But that's changed. Now, he calls South Lebanon a war zone. Some towns are being hit daily by Israeli warplanes. When Hezbollah joined the fight against Israel in October, it said it was doing so in support and solidarity with the Palestinian resistance. But the Israeli defense minister, Yoav Gallant, vowed Israel would act with all the means at its disposal to push Hezbollah back through military actions. It's not anymore... Hezbollah taking the initiative in it. Rather, now Israel is taking the initiative and setting its own objective. 
or main objective is pushing Hezbollah away from the border. Israel wants Hezbollah to be maybe a few kilometers or maybe uh, the Litani River, which is something that Hezbollah doesn't seem to really want to talk about. They are saying they're not, not going to talk anything. They're not going to have any conversations over the future before the end of the war in Gaza. And here I, I think it's clear that Hezbollah is relying on what's going to happen and that the Israelis are going to have more setbacks in Gaza. And then they wouldn't have to do any kind of conversations. But at the same time, aside from what's happening in Gaza, it's very, very unlikely that Hezbollah is going to accept such conditions. Though the Israelis are putting Hezbollah in front of two options, either to go back, to pull out from the borderline, or to fight. Because the Israelis are saying that if this is not going to happen via diplomacy, then it's going to happen through a war. What kind of a war? So... Is this the beginning of a new war between Israel and Hezbollah? That's after the break. Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI. And I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Your class starts January 8th. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. What would a new conflict between Israel and Hezbollah look like today? Our correspondent, Ali Hashem in South Lebanon, says it's the question everyone is concerned about. Is Israel and Hezbollah going to get into a real all-out war? I mean, this is going to be um, destructive. This is going to be different, completely different from any other war that we saw, especially with Israel warning over the past years that Hezbollah already obtained some precision missiles, tens of thousands of missiles. Uh, They have several thousands of fighters and uh, advanced technologies. But Ali says that Hezbollah is not using any of these advanced weapons just yet, and that it seems as if both sides are testing each other's waters. We saw Hezbollah using weapons that have been used in in previous wars, whether it's the Cornet, the anti-tank guided missiles, or the the normal Katyusha rockets that are being launched every now and then, or uh, the Burkan missile, which is uh, known to be very destructive and it was used before in Syria. So there's nothing of the weapons that everyone was warning of that is being used for now. But this is tactical, of course, because Hezbollah wouldn't want to show all its cards. So it's complicated, especially that there are a lot of tactical games going on. Israel's emergency minister, Benny Gantz, signaled the country could step up its response to cross-border attacks. The stopwatch for a diplomatic solution is running out. If the world and the Lebanese government don't act in order to prevent the firing on Israel's northern residents and to distance Hezbollah from the border, the IDF will do it. 
Recently, a conversation about tunnels has resurfaced. In 2018, Israel launched Operation Northern Shield, a military action that found and destroyed Hezbollah tunnels on the border. And now, Israeli forces say they're conducting major searches to locate more tunnels. Given the fact that this tunnel network is clandestine, secretive, and we don't know really what's there, but at least from the pictures that were released sometime, we see that there are developed and advanced tunnels now. How much the Israelis will be able to discover them and where are they and how much these tunnels are deep and how much they are into the other side of the border. This is a big question. Whether also in the Lebanese geography, the Israelis would be able to find any. Also, this could determine how the next war is going to be because tunnels are really essential in such situations. However, I think from what we are observing here is that Hezbollah is trying as much as possible to keep any of its new infrastructure, new that's after 2006, away from the Israeli eye. They might lose two or three fighters to prevent uncovering one of their strategic, for example, infrastructures in South Lebanon. So it's going to be a very difficult mission and it's going to be a very difficult war to fight. So far, although things are intensifying, both sides are still sticking to the rules of engagement. But what are those rules? And what are the red lines that could mean an all-out war? Those are questions that Ali admits are hard to answer. Well, I think that these rules are being updated on a daily basis. And given the fact that the deterrence still exists, I can say that the rules are loose. What's really preventing this war from happening are, are different aspects. One is that on the Lebanon side, Hezbollah is not going to initiate such a war from its side. It would want to fight a defensive war. And on the other side, Israel is still stuck in Gaza. And it's really, at least, I mean, logic-wise, it doesn't seem that this would turn into an all-out war as far as the Israelis are stuck in Gaza. But the moment they are out of Gaza, then we might start, you know, counting the days and hours for the next war. The Israeli Defense Forces said it has shot down rockets identified as crossing from Lebanon and released footage said to show its warplanes hitting Hezbollah military sites. But also, even if this war happens, how is it going to be? What are the dimensions? What are the layers of this war? And is it going to be just like the other classical wars or campaigns or invasions that Israel did before? Or it's going to be limited to South Lebanon or to the southern side of the Litani River? These are big questions. But at the same time, if Israel is going to launch such a war, how Hezbollah is going to retaliate? And is it going to retaliate only from South Lebanon or it's going to use its long-range missiles, whether in Syria or in the Bekaa Valley or even in Iraq, to retaliate? And who is going to be engaged in this war? Another question Ali asked, speaking to people close to Hezbollah, was why an all-out war between Israel and the armed group didn't start on October 7th. 
they will say, would that prevent the massacre in Gaza? Will that end the massacre in Gaza? To them, from their own point of view, that's not going to do anything, except that there will be massacres in Lebanon and in Palestine at the same time, and both the resistances in Palestine and Lebanon will be weakened. So this is the perspective they're having on this battle. So in case things are going to go wide and bigger, then I think we have to think of the unexpected or of the unthinkable. On December 4th, 2023, Hamas put out a call that it was recruiting in Lebanon. The group is doing so mainly in the Palestinian refugee camps in South Lebanon. Several Lebanese political parties and officials were quick to denounce the move, accusing Hamas of violating their country's national sovereignty. But according to Ali's analysis, this recruitment could have long-term effects. On the 7th of October, Hamas launched its attack. On the 8th of October, Hezbollah engaged with the Israelis in Sheba Farms. The first attack on the Blue Line was by Islamic Jihad. Then there was another attack by Hamas launching rockets from South Lebanon towards Israel. So then this was unprecedented, at least for the past 40 years. This was maybe one of the few times that we saw Palestinians functioning openly on the Lebanese-Israeli borders. So it seems that that was heralding a new era, whereas South Lebanon has become once again home to Palestinian resistance groups. And my analysis is that the more Hamas in Gaza is going to be contained or weakened, the more the possibility that we see Hamas attacks from outside the border of historical Palestine. And that could mean, of course, that the Lebanese border could turn into, once again, a front line for Palestinian resistance factions. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Khalid Sultan with Miranda Lynn, Ashish Malhotra, Amy Walters, Sonia Bagat, David Enders, Sariel Khalili, Nagin Odiayi, Chloe K. Lee, Zaina Bezer, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>